Hi, I'm Alan Webb, and I've been with this crazy event called Summonat since it started. In 2020, 33 years later, we've just come out of the Summonats we held while Australia was burning around us. And like the rest of you, we walked straight into the world-stopping coronavirus pandemic. During the first couple of weeks of this crisis, Andy Lopez asked me if I'd like to tell the story of Chick Henry and the Summonats. I asked Cam Sullings, a Canberra journal and presenter, to help me tell what we think is one of the truly great Australian stories. This is what we came up with. What comes to mind when you think of Canberra, Australia's capital city? Maybe the fact that it's a peaceful, calm, pretty place where laws are made. Well, for four special days in January, Canberra becomes the complete opposite of all those things. It becomes a different kind of capital city, the capital city of noise. The capital city of horsepower. The capital city for burnouts, chrome, turbos and blowers. Canberra becomes the capital city of fun, whether it be with your friends or family. Yes, Canberra is home to an event like no other. Canberra is home to the Summonats. Well, my name's uh, Charlie Hutton. You know, I'm a uh, custom car builder from uh, Idaho uh, in the United States. This is my very first Summonats and it's been a great experience. There's, there's so many neat things that go on around here that doesn't happen in America. You gotta come to the Summernats. As the Summernats has grown, its reputation has grown right alongside it. Chick invited motoring superstars to the event to share their knowledge with our community. You heard from Charlie Hutton at the top of this episode, one of the world's top custom car builders. And Charlie said it, there's just so many neat things that happen here that don't happen in America. I'm Cam Sullings, longtime attendee and now presenter at Summonats. Welcome to the podcast, Chick Henry, his Summonat story. Let's welcome back Chick Henry. So I want to get to now the absolute epicenter of what Summonats is all about. Of course, it's about the cars, and you must have seen so many awesome vehicles come through. Let's let's dig down on some of the favourite cars that you have seen at Summonats over the years. Well, I guess as things grew, the joy that I saw that the effort people were putting into, I mean, there was a lot of very, very cool street machines that were the, the basic example of a street machine, but extremely well built. Out of the blue, something would arrive that would grab my attention. And in fact, some of the, the cars that I awarded my um, chick's choice to, sometimes it, it, they didn't fit any particular category, except that they got my attention. Um, one of the early cars that I thought was fabulous was this, I think I'm pretty sure it was an LJ Tirana that came from Tasmania. And, I mean, we didn't get a lot of entrance from down there, but then this car with the craziest graphics on it, just a beautiful, beautiful car. And, and, and in that time, graphics were becoming a very, very big deal. And, and that car was just so up there with the, the use of colours. And, and being an LJ Tirana, obviously the shape of it lent itself to the popularity of the car 
And then there was a guy, I think his name was um, Todd Hallenbach. He had a really beautiful little Gemini, and I think he came from up around Tamworth somewhere. It was probably the highest profile four-cylinder type car. I mean, uh, as we know, it was the development those days of the, you know, what we call the pocket rockets and the high-tech and, you know, the Honda CRXs and things like that when that all started to grow. But then out of the blue, this beautiful car that Todd put together was a lovely car. And then anyway, and then I walk around and, and here comes something that's closer to me. And I think this was a mate of um, Gary Myers. And it was, uh, I think his name, Danny Musso. And here's Musso coming down the road in this bit of a ragged LTD Ford, but it had a, a big engine in it and it was blown and it had two dominators on top of it and it was sitting real low and it was really angry looking car. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I just love that stuff. People automatically think, I guess, that I'm only really uh, affected by the, the high-end cars, especially the elite, but just out of the blue, Something arose, and, and it was, a, I think, another guy from Tassie that had a, a mini, uh, a green one that came. That, that was a, a wild car, and it did well in the um, judging. Also, in the really early days, there was a guy turned up from Melbourne, and I sort of remembered the car on the track because it was a bit unusual. And he had a, a, it was like a GT Falcon limo, and he's out there doing burnouts, and that was pretty cool. Might have only been a year later, he um, got my attention. He was out the front. He hadn't actually come through the gate, and he called me over to show me his latest car. And it was a 105E Anglia. And for those that aren't really familiar with those little four-cylinder cars, they've got a sloping back window. Jet black, but the, the best part about it is when he lifted the bonnet and it had a fully polished twin-cam alpha engine in it. And I thought, ah, isn't just this just the sweetest thing? And it was almost like one extreme to the other from Mm. that GT limo to that little 105E Anglia. Yeah, yeah. And Owen, after a while, knew the sort of things that grabbed me. And, you know, he'd grab me at the Elite Awards and he'd say, come and look at this, come and look at this. Do you see that 55 Chev over there? And I'd go over and I'd say, what, that, no, that red 56? He said, no, it's a 55. So, no, it's not, it's a 56. Uh, and when I got over there, it was a 55 Chevy on one end and a 56 on the other. Yeah. And, and so many high-profile people came to the event over the years. Um, you know, we've got a, a long list of names. But guys like Peter Brock, when, when Brocky came, it must have been amazing to have someone like him wandering around. And he was so good with people as well. He, he'd stand there and have a conversation with a complete stranger for 45 minutes and think nothing of it. No, absolutely. At that time, I had Mobile as a sponsor, and uh, and that that was how Brocky came there, and it was it was terrific. He was such an easy guy to talk to. We don't usually pay much attention to V8 Commodore Utes, but Canberra's Summer Nats 12 was the final public burnout of the Roman Auto Tech beast, and we were curious what all the fuss was about. Also on hand for the occasion, a novice driver with no previous burnout experience, Peter Brock. What's his name? Electing to observe first as a passenger, he seemed to learn quickly, then changed seats at the crowd's suggestion while they waited patiently for $6,000 worth of 20-inch tyres to go up in smoke. Brock gave the impression he'd driven high-powered Commodores before. Peter Brock, the most famous Australian motor racing icon of all time. On your Brocky. 
We heard from Lance Corby in episode two of the podcast, Race Bears Naming Rights sponsor. Lance, I know you've brought Australian motorsports legend John Bauer to the event many times now. What does he think and love about Summer Nats? John's a people's person and he's a motoring enthusiast all around. So he, he loves going to have a look at the cars. But to be honest, John loves people coming up to talk to him and and. He's fantastic for our brand because he's a great ambassador. He knows what we make. He knows the quality that we make. And he he reinforces that out to the public. One of the hardest things when we're with John and we're trying to get him to, whether it's the presentations um, up on the stand in the Maguire's Hall or or out in the uh, arena, people just flock to him. And it truly amazes me that even the younger people know who John Bowie is. Incredible. The guy's... Just a motoring legend. Chick, you spent some time travelling in the US to find a lot of the cars and a lot of the builders and show them what you were doing. Could they believe it? No, you know, um, because I, I always took over the DVD and, uh, oh, no, not the DVD, but it was the... VHS know, in those uh, days, VHS. yes. Yeah, those days, you know. <laughs> and the word had sort of got around a little bit because when Rick went back to the States, um, you know, he sp- spoke very highly of, of the Summer Nats. And I had some of the other pro guys, you know, that were really on my case to come out. But the next person that I came across was um, Joe and Carol Cassimano. Now, they had a 57 Chev that was highly, highly customised. It had been around quite a while. It was one of the high-end show cars. But the thing that, that stood out the most to me was that the small block Chevy that it had in it had a 671 supercharger attached to the front of the engine. Right, so it had the blower that that ran off the crank and everything, but down at the front. That, to me, was a unique feature. With the whole car, with the graphics, and then looking in the air, like, this was was seriously a high-end car. And and Joe and Carol were deeply embedded in in the scene over there, so, you know, to, for people to have conversation with them, you know, and there was a lot of people that are deeply into the scene that when the car came out, they knew the car. The next person that I wanted to bring out, um, uh, I, I, because I'd met Troy Trepania years ago, and, and, I mean, one of the cars that he was associated with was this, uh, what sort of car was it? It was called Blowfish anyway, little car, and, and the crazy guy that owned it, and, and Troy built it up like... His engineering skills, as well as the rest of the building, the car was amazing. And I thought, I might be able to bring out Blowfish. Yeah, that was a bit different with Troy, but it it just wasn't available. When Troy came out, Troy and as his dad, they were just people person, people beyond belief. Now, I had, uh, what was that um, Chrysler that he had that better 51 or 52 Chrysler? He sat it on a Viper. Um, yeah, with the V12 and everything in it, yep. and, and the chop roof, and the and it was real swoopy. And he was telling me that uh, I said, "How fast have you been in?" And he said, "He'd about 145 mile an hour," and got a bit scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty from memory. I'm pretty sure it was a sniper, right? Uh, yeah, that's that, yeah because it was the Viper engine, but he calls it a sniper. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so, but he was a he was an absolute hit because. Uh, Street, the street machine scene, there's a lot more hands-on, high-performance stuff but done on the street. You know, the hot rodders have got cool-looking cool cars, and there's no doubt about it, but the summonats attracted people that really 
street performance was a big deal to them, let alone super high performance. Yeah. Um, and Troy was, that's where he was. And, you know, I'm really glad he came out. It was good value. Owen Webb caught up with Troy Trapania recently. Troy's probably the best car builder in the world, having built America's most beautiful roadster, won the Battle Builders at SEMA, numerous Good Guys Awards, many Hall of Fame entries, and the Riddler Award at Detroit. It took a while to coordinate, but Troy and his dad Jack came out to Summonats in 2009, where they built many lasting memories with Australians, and in particular with Chick. I think you remember this, Chick and I, we caught up with you and Jack in a bar in Detroit and we had to wine and dine you and talk to you all night until <laughs> you said yes to come to Summonat. So I, wanted, I want you to tell me a little bit about that whole Summonat experience. Well, I've known you and Chick a long time and, and always enjoyed the company, obviously. And I remember the meeting. I remember sitting there at the uh, Crown Plaza, I think it was called at the time. Yep. I remember sitting yeah, there talking and that was an exciting time and the timing worked out. And I tell you, it was uh, the funnest car trip I've ever done by far. So uh, the summer nats were awesome. You know, I grew up in the street machine world where a lot of these guys involved in our industry today that weren't at DuCoin, they don't understand it. So that's kind of what the summer nats is to me. So I'm glad that I met you guys back then and we stayed persistent and I got over there because it was a great family trip. And just to see all the guys and it was amazing. The response I had was fantastic, you know, and it was a great time. And uh, we were just, me and my kids were talking about it the other day. And I mean, like I always tell them, go to school and ask them how many of your friends have been to Australia. (laughs) Yeah, mate, we just, we loved having you and I'm going to, I'm going to work on you. I'm still working on you, get you back. So I'll I'll be there. Want to get your hands on the latest Street Machine Summonites official merch? We're proud to announce the launch of our brand new online merch store that's packed with awesome gear. There's t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, bar mats and more from your favourite past events. We've even remade the original Summonites 1 t-shirts. Classic! Grab any piece of merch for a limited time and you'll score a bonus bit of merch completely free. It's only while stocks last and some items will sell out. So head to summonats.com.au now. Well, my name's uh, Charlie Hutton. You know, I'm a uh, custom car builder from uh, Idaho uh, in the United States. This is my very first summer Nats, and it's been a great experience. There's, there's so many neat things that go on around here that doesn't happen in America. Everybody tell me about the burnout contest. So when I first got my first break, man, I beelined it over to see the burnout contest, and that was the coolest thing ever. See, that burnout was straight machine. Absolutely. Look at that. Look, Mom. The Summer Nats is so exciting, is amazing just because how excited the people are. You know, I mean, the participants and then just the spectators. You know, I mean, you see, it's it's like a family event, you know, and, and it's fun because, you know, for the kids, it's exciting to see these cars romping and doing burnouts and stuff. And, and so it just, it, it brings enthusiasm to the industry. You got to come to the Summer Nats. Lance, tell us about the Race Bear Legends. Our Race Bear Legends were brought about by... Um a discussion we had around our boardroom table many years ago and, and decided that there's, there's not a lot of high profile out there for the people that really have contributed to our sport. I call it a sport. It's, it's an art. It's a sport. It's, it's many things to many people. The people that have really contributed hugely into the sport don't really get the recognition or weren't getting the recognition that we felt they needed to. And there were lots of people out there and Rod Hadfield, Owen Webb, everybody else that was attributed to that. It, it was just an important part that we felt that Summonats was, we're really proud of them and so are the, 
of people around the industry for what they've done for us. The event had so many elements of grandeur and so many really positive effects at so many levels, but there was also um, some not-so-good behaviour that uh, was well-documented over the years. What's your take on on some of the higher-profile, not-so-good um, events that took place? Yeah, well, I guess I talked just previously about, you know, the um, that were greatly associated with all the Mazdas and uh, the Rotary Mazdas in particular and in fact a whole bunch of them didn't turn up in a bus and they turned up at scrutineering and everyone's gone into shock but it turned out that the, the, the people that came down um, from Sydney who very much were involved in that car culture in Sydney, the Rotaries, they, they were car enthusiasts and they never caused any trouble, you know, they were there to see the cars. Yep. You know, we all breathed a sigh of relief about that and then, you know, when the Gypsy Jokers turned up and, you know, had trouble with the Rebs from time to time and, you know, so there was a lot of stuff we had to contend with. But probably the biggest deal of all, the biggest ones, was the so-called riot that went on at eight four. There was a huge congregation there, always because it's what was the main entry and exit point out yeah. of the grounds. And so all the entrants would be coming in and out of there. But, of course, when they were leaving, there was a set of traffic lights there, and every time the lights turned green, it was like another drag race. Yeah. And so um, the spectacle of all the cars coming in and out of the grounds, you know, irrespective of whether there was any bad behaviour, there was plenty to see. So there was bloody hundreds used to get there on that corner. You know, there was a lot of bad behaviour there anyway because... People used to be able to drink anywhere they liked in public place those days. And, of course, the favourite container those days would drink beer out of was a stubby. Yep. Anyway, they're all carrying on there. and uh, The coppers had pulled over this rat bag in an alley. And, and instead of taking him up the road somewhere, they put on a bit of a performance there. Well, the crowd went crazy because they were all on, on, the, on the side of the guy in the alley. And somebody threw a stubby at the traffic lights that were there and it hit one of the seal beams and of course the beam goes pop and so everybody's like, oh, it's good fun. So we're all throw stubbies at the bloody next thing, the lights aren't working. Then somebody said, oh, the tree's dead, so we'll push it over and it fell over so easily and when it fell down, people got a, you know, quite a big shock in actual fact that it fell so easily and it was half on the road and half sort of on the grass. Now the, the, the mob have just gone sort of crazy and cops have stopped the traffic flow and people running everywhere around on the intersection and I, I'd heard the stuff on the radio so when I got up there it was mayhem now it wasn't a riot, massive bad behaviour but it wasn't a riot anyway they're running all over the place and then I'm up there with security trying to chase them away and, and, I, was ch- and I was chasing a guy that had grabbed one of the yellow and black barriers and one of the frames and he was, I don't know where the hell he thought he was going with it and as he ran past me, I took a swing at him with my left leg, trying to trip him. But instead of that, I kicked the bloody frame. Security guys came and got me off him. I was so angry. But anyway, we settled it all down. It was described as a riot, and it was a bad scene. And it didn't do us any favours, that's the bloody short. That wasn't the only time that uh, that you were sort of, you know, front line as well. I know there was a time that uh, that you were actually dragged around some of the circuit. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, um, I'm a, a danger to myself sometimes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the security would go, go crook at me at times because I'd get a bit too involved. But anyway, I was standing there and there was this triple S pulsar, I think it was, 
and he's done a bit of a burnout there. And it didn't even wasn't even much of a burnout, just spin the wheels and a bit of a screech. But I'm pretty wound up about all of this at the time. And so anyway, I've reached in the window to go crook at this guy, and I've got a copped a mouthful of cheek because he's given me a gobful. Well, that's got me going. So I've got my hands round his, my left arm round his neck, and I'm reaching in to grab the keys out of the ignition, and he took off. And he's dragged me up the road, and, and I'm sort of trying to run with the car because I'm sort of half caught in the car. And, it, and when I realised that I was taking steps about 20 metres long, <laughs> I thought, time to exit this position. And as I dived off the car, the back wheel ran over my right leg, dragged me along the road for a while. And anyway, so I was, uh, had a lot of bark off me. And, and anyway, I was so angry that I wouldn't even go down to the first aid dudes and, and see them until I was almost forced down there to get all fixed up and anyway when I got home like I was I was quite a mess like I had big drag rashes on my shoulder and leg and bloody arms and everything and I remember laying in bed when I got home about four o'clock in the morning and I'm laying in bed about half past six seven and Deb my wife looked over at me and said are you okay and I was uh, whatever I said and I'm laying there so stiff with pain you know, that because it was, yeah, bad news. But anyway, it turned out that those guys, in actual fact, they'd snuck in somehow. They weren't even entrants. Yeah. And they were caught stealing um, stereos and stuff out of cars and they were doing other bad stuff as well. But anyway, that's another story. Street Machine Summon Ats 34 is set to be one of the biggest horsepower parties Canberra has ever seen. Tickets are selling fast and discount entries are now open for a limited time via the website. And that's also where you'll find our brand new range of official Street Machine Summon Ats merch. Entrant and Platinum Passes will sell out very soon, so head to summonats.com.au to lock in your spot today. Cletus McFarlane, at 24, is an American motoring identity. His 1320 YouTube channel has almost 2 million online followers sharing tales of all things wild, fun and automotive. A few years back, Cletus made his first visit and was totally blown away, so much so that he built his own burnout car and shipped it to Australia to compete in the Summonats 33 Burnout Masters competition. He made this year's pilgrimage following his first visit to the Summonats a few years earlier. And here is his first Aussie burnout experience. Hell yeah, brother. You're on the Please Me Fallen YouTube channel. That'll be us in about a minute. So, we came to Australia. We knew we were going to end up getting pushed into a car and going out on the burnout pad. I'm about to ride. And this S13 is going to be a out on the summer that skids and do it for Dale. How much did you buy this for? 2000 Australian. This is Chris, he's the owner. And he's actually letting me drive this car later. I'm gonna do my first Australian skid. I hope I don't let down the team. And by team I mean all of America. But you guys know I won't. Do it for Dale. If we pop tires, we jump out we, and we wave our arms in the air like idiots. Yes. And scream at everyone. I 100% I agree with that. If we pop the tires, we are getting out and celebrating. Oh my, oh my god. 
You've got some wonderful memories, obviously, that go along with all of this as well. I want you to tell us about uh, when you did a burnout and, and your granddaughter, you took her out for the first time. Yeah. Well, see, I had a plan. I had a plan. And the Chevy was going really well and everything like that. And that particular event, and this is something I'm really proud of, and I don't think there's anybody that has done exactly what I did. And that is, I went in the city cruise on um, uh, 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 Thursday. Friday, I did the um, uh, go to woe. Saturday, I did the grass events on the arena. Saturday night, did the the um, uh, super cruise. cruise on the arena. Yep. And Sunday, I was going to be first out on the track to do the burnout Sunday afternoon, right? And I don't think Andy and the crew even knew I was going to do it, but Rollo on the track and a couple of the others knew it. So anyway, I've got the car there. So I already worked it out with Angie, my daughter, and uh, asked if Lauren wanted to go for a ride. So we got her organised in there, and she's got the shoes and socks on, long sleeve shirt and a helmet on, and everything's cool. Anyway, when I took off, you know, and I made, I know I made good smoke because, you know, that's a 600-horsepower engine, So, but I couldn't see where I was going. And um, anyway, because the smoke was blowing over the top of me, and I knew I was frying those bloody tyres big time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'm creeping down there, but I guess I can be smart-ass enough to say that I know my car, and I basically know what the track's like. Well, you did and build knew, it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, and I knew that the tyres were almost done, but I didn't want to blow one of those tyres because the, those wheels are pretty hard to get off. You've got to jack the body up and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'd said to Lauren... Now, if I say to you, get out of the car, just get out of the car. If I say to you, get out of the car, that means we've got some drama and I want you to get out (laughs) real quick. Anyway, (laughs) we got down and I ended up probably about bloody 25 centimetres from the the barriers. And um, anyway, we got out of the car and Lauren and I stood at the front of the car and struck a bit of a pose got back in the car and off we go. And uh, so, and I think Lauren enjoyed it because I sure as hell enjoyed it. And do you know who else enjoyed it? And that was Farm Truck, you know, Farm Truck and Asian that came to the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Farm Truck was seen there waving and carrying on (laughs) and he was reaching over the the fence with his fingers pointing out how close I was to the the fence. Anyway, I parked the car, let it cool down, went back and got it. And, And another big deal was when I went, called in the office later on, and I found out how many people had logged on. How many? To watch the summer ads. How many? Unbelievable. It was about five five million odd people, wasn't it, that was watching you know? your burnout. <laughs> Chick, we're counting through your top six all-time favourite summer ads memories. What's the memory that stands out for you as the second best of all time? Oh, well, I reckon that... Um, the two grand champions, and that's a big deal. Fireball Campbell, you know, I, I hated that, you know, when um, I thought that he was, um, you know, when he jumped the GT Falcon over the car, it was raining and he was like he couldn't get the traction and he landed in the middle of the cars. And once again, he crashed on a whole bunch of Volvos <laughs> that I'd got from the guy up the road. And um, But I was walking across the arena. I thought I was going over to see a dead man. And then, you know, as you probably already know that the stunt, the Saturday night and the stunts and all that was a really, really, that was, I get so much joy out of that. And Hmm. Lawrence bought this uh, Rolls Royce. We jumped that over a ramp, up a ramp and everything. And 
because he wanted to save it and he landed in these big cardboard boxes. And what happened was the exhaust system set the boxes on fire. But what we didn't know was that um, when the car landed, the doors locked because the order that still had, you know, electric doors and the doors locked and we couldn't get him out. Oh. You know, I got up there, get him out. And because they, they put the fire out and then they're working on smashing the windows to get him out. And then the bloody fire started again. Like, you know, like, I don't know why I do this shit. Fair dinkum. <laughs> Summonats is the biggest horsepower party on earth. And the best way to do Summonats is with a Platinum Pass. Going Platinum gets you more than just prime shaded seating at the burnout pad. You'll also score an official Summonats merch pack. Platinum only discounts, early access to the top 60, a fast lane to get into the venue, free parking and more. Platinum passes sell out every year, so grab yours today from summonats.com.au and do the Nats in style. Street Outlaws is a huge program broadcast internationally through the Discovery Channel, featuring people who love building and racing cars. The cars and the characters are eccentric. Farm Truck and Asian are the stars of Street Outlaws. They race a 70 Chev long bed truck featuring rusty paint, a camper shell, a million dents and a zzzz number plates. This race equipped truck is the ultimate sleeper. Farm Truck first got interested in trucks from riding in his father's 1956 Ford pickup when he was 12. Farm Truck and Asian have been guests at the Summonats a couple of times now, and like all of those before them, they were blown away. They were converted. They fell in love with the event and the community that makes it. We caught up with them at the end of Summonats 31, and it pretty much sums up the way most outsiders feel after going to the Nats for the very first time and gives an insight into the people behind the cars, the spectators, the builders, the families, the organisers. Their family is unique, so caring and welcoming, but absolute lunatics at the same time. You know what? Oh. Summer nights may be done, but in our mind, it'll never be over. Oh. It we, will never be over. We've learned that uh, you guys know how to party. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys know how to party with horsepower. You guys have mastered that. That's for sure. Hey, we have our Summer Nats makeup on. Yeah. All right? <laughs> it's applied with horsepower. This is a rite of passage. When you walk out looking like this, <laughs> man, you've done oh, yeah. something. You know what? It's like, it's like we've been in a war. But, yeah. But everybody's on our side. Yeah. And everyone here was so gracious, so nice, so kind, and they welcomed us to this country. It, it's been amazing. And you know what? We thought we were crazy. They called our crazy and raised it. Oh, yeah. That's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> So what we're talking about is the greatest motorsport rivalry of all time. Bigger than Hamilton. Lawn mowers. No, bigger than, what's his name? Hamilton Verstappen or yeah, yeah, Vettel. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Bigger than Wind Cup and McLaughlin. It's Australia versus America. 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 Oh, mowers out here, brother. Listen, Mate. we mow our lawns every day. They can't do burnouts and they can't mow lawns. Oh. Cletus heading up an all-star American team of absolute nobodies and Shannon Knoll and the Myers father and son team taking him on in what is the most glorious of motorsports, modified lawnmower racing. The 
almost they can uh, top 100 kilometers an hour, which basically means they can do a quarter acre block in about four and a half seconds. The Summonats is Chick's life achievement, but inevitably his time had to come to an end. Delivering an event of this magnitude takes its toll, and eventually we all find the need to move on. In our final episode, we hear about this transition and how much emotion and passion Chick has invested over the years, and how proud he is of what the event has become, and how grateful he is of the people who supported him. We also hear about the transition to the new owners and the responsibility they felt and Chick's ongoing role. <laughs> Planning on being part of the world's wildest car festival but haven't got your entry in? Entries to Street Machine Summonets 34, proudly supported by Rare Spares, are limited to 2,000 and will sell out very soon. With limited entrant passes remaining, some people will miss out. So don't delay. Head to the website and lock in your spot before they're all gone. And we'll see you at Summonats.